I had a chance to go to a little bit of the Arise conference this past, this past weekend. And one of the things that struck me that I think is really applicable for this morning was it was, it was a young guy. He's young like I, I am. And he's, he's a pastor. Um, he's a young adults pastor up in, in Harborside. And he was saying that he was referencing some of the, the leaders of the church and the preachers of those that have gone before us. And he said, what, and he was, we were just having a chat about some of the things that we're doing. And he said, what I can do is only because of those that have gone before me. What, what I'm able to do is I wouldn't be able to go to those places and do the things that I'm doing if those that had gone before me hadn't done what they'd done. And I thought it was, and it, he, he knew nothing of the situation here. And so I was just so struck by the truth of what that is that my generation of what that represents is that we are going to be able to do things that we wouldn't have otherwise been able to do because of the sacrifice of Hudson and also the sacrifice of those of you that have labored with him throughout the years. And so I was so struck by that this morning and want to just give my thanks for those that have gone before us. And, and they've, you've paved a way to do what we would not otherwise be able to do. And so, I'm so I was struck by the reality of that this morning, just thinking on how powerful that was. And, and I'm so grateful for that. So I just, um, just want to extend my, my gratefulness for that just in general. So before we get started, can we just pray? And we'll just lift up the name of Jesus. Father, Lord, we come before you this morning recognizing the loss of such a, a, a crucial member of who, who we were. But Lord, I, pr- I thank you that separation is only for a time. And Jesus, I pray that you would just minister your love. I pray that you would minister your peace. I pray that you would minister your joy that comes in any season that we find ourselves in. But Lord, we do recognize this morning that you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Lord, I thank you that you're generational, Lord, and I thank you that What Hudson has done, he's gone before and paved a way so that folks like myself and our generation can step into a new realm that we wouldn't have been able to. Lord, we give you glory for that, that you used a man's life with such passion and purpose that had a veil, Father God. Lord, his life availed much, Jesus, and I thank you for the impact that he had. And Lord, as even Bruce spoke, that there's there's three generations that it impacted. Lord, I speak to three more generations beyond that, Father. Lord, that the impact would not stop. And Lord, we honor that which was done, Father God. And we thank you so much for his life. But Lord, we pray that you would speak this morning, that you would encourage us. Lord, we bless your mighty, mighty name. And everybody said, amen. amen. So this morning, um, the, this, we, we'd gotten the topic or the title of the series. So we're just in the life of Joseph, just for a couple of weeks. And the, the title of the, ser- the sermon was, was, was set before... Um, you know, passing of Hudson. But the title of the sermon this morning, and if you could put it up on the screen for me, Luke, is Tomorrow Arrived Today. Tomorrow Arrived Today. And in in my relationship, I I don't have a long-standing relationship with Hudson just in the past year and a half. I became the beneficiary of many emails as well and resources, and I had a chance to catch up with him at times and hear a little bit of what was on his heart. But I think in the little bit that I was getting to know him and his heart was the fact that he definitely believed in the power of today. I, I think tomorrow was powerful for him, but I think he thought today was even more powerful. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. 
And we're going to continue looking at the life of Joseph to pull out some truth of what this topic is. Has anybody seen the film Groundhog Day? Groundhog Day? So it's Bill Murray's in, in the film. And do you know what happens? He gets stuck on Groundhog Day. He, he can't get to tomorrow. Literally, tomorrow never comes. And so he wakes up on Groundhog Day one morning, and he's literally stuck there. He can't get beyond there. And once he realizes he's stuck in this day, he does everything he possibly can to get out of that day. I don't know if you remember. I mean, he, he did some pretty foolish things. He started stealing money um, so he could just kind of buy whatever he wanted because it didn't really matter what he did today because if tomorrow was never going to come, then what you do today really doesn't matter too much. And, um, and, he, and I don't want to give it all the bad press. He did go through an altruistic phase where he started trying to do some good things for the people around him. You know, he, there's, a, uh, there's a boy that falls out of a tree at an exact time on that day. And so every day he goes and tries to catch the boy so he doesn't fall and hurt himself and break his arm or whatever. Um, and then one of my favorite scenes is there is when he goes and he goes to the, the cafe or the restaurant and he orders as much food as they have probably in the restaurant. And you see the table is piled up with food uh, on the restaurant. And he's, because it doesn't matter what he eats, because he's going to wake up tomorrow the same. And he goes through a very depressed phase. And um, he, you know, he, he ends up killing himself multiple, multiple times. And it's done in a humorous way. But he wakes up the next morning, no matter what he does, there's nothing that he can do to get to tomorrow. And I wonder this morning if some of us might feel like we're stuck in today. The things that God has promised you, the things that he's wanting you to walk in, it always feels like it's going to come tomorrow. Do we feel a little bit like we might be stuck in Groundhog Day? That It's not Groundhog Day, obviously, but for the things that God has called you to, does it feel like tomorrow is never going to come? Tomorrow finally came for, for Bill Murray. Do you remember? So at the end of the movie, and one of the reasons why tomorrow came is at the beginning of the movie, if you remember, he was, he didn't want to go to the, the, the Groundhog Day anyways, because he just thought it was beneath him. He thought it was below him. He wanted something bigger and better for his life. He wanted something more. And we start off the movie with that, but then we end with him realizing what he really was after. And what he was really after, and when tomorrow finally came, the thing that he realized had actually been with him since the very first Groundhog Day. The thing that he was after, so he, he found out that the producer that was with him was his true love. The thing that he was waiting for that actually eventually ushered in tomorrow was actually with him the whole entire time right from the beginning. Tomorrow finally arrived for him. So we're going to continue looking at a little bit about, about what that is, and we're going to explore the fact that maybe tomorrow has arrived today. So we're just, just recapping Joseph's journey a little bit. We remember his journey started with a dream, and then his dream angered his brothers to the point of wanting to kill him. Instead of killing him, they throw him in a pit, and after the pit, where do they take him? They sell him into Egypt, and that's where we ended off, that he's now in Egypt. He's sold into slavery by his brothers. And one of the main things that if you weren't here last week that we talked about was that when God gives you a dream, when he, and when we're talking dream, we're not just talking about a physical dream that you might have got, you know, at night when you're sleeping, but when he has a call on your life, when he has something for you to do, when you start walking in that, when you start to walk out the fullness of what that is, 
there's usually giants in the land, in the promised land, waiting to be overcome. And so when you start to verbalize that, so Joseph started to verbalize his dream to his brothers. He started to walk in that. And immediately he came up against some very big obstacles, some huge challenges. And so we looked at that when there's these obstacles, there's giants in the land already waiting to be overcome. And we said those giants might come in the form of old problems, old issues, old doubts. And Joseph is in the middle of experiencing some of those blockages in his life right now, being sold into slavery. He's in a foreign country. He's far away from his, his, his family. And it, it seems, if you're looking at the story from the outside, that he's far away from the purposes of God and what God's call had on his life, as far as he's aware and what he can understand. So let's start reading Genesis 39. Now, Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The very first thing that happens to Joseph in captivity has the hand of God all over it. We have a giant in the way being sold into slavery. It's not an ideal option. But immediately, the hand of God shows itself in his situation. Immediately, the very first thing that happens to him Because last week we only talked about the obstacles. This week we're going to talk about possibly stepping into the tomorrow that God has for us. Immediately, God had provision for him. And and the provision might not be, I mean, some of you might say, yeah, it's obvious. Maybe others haven't looked at the passage in a while. But he's sold to Potiphar. He's the captain of the guard. He's in the royal house of Pharaoh. He's sold into a place a, that is probably better than being sold into, I think, a low, you know, I don't know, what, what is, uh, just somebody that lives in a farm way out in the Egypt. He, he was placed in the middle of the Egyptian culture that he was later to serve. And he was, he was set in the royal household, too. He was placed in exactly the right place where he needed to be to do the things that God had for him tomorrow. Joseph was in exactly the right place, even in the midst of slavery. Joseph was placed in the perfect place. We'll we'll look at that a little bit more later. Verse 2 says this, The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. The Lord was with Joseph. He became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. We talked about, I just alluded to it last week, but I just wanted to touch on it again. These Bible stories, we've heard them since we're kids. You can just kind of, I already know the story. I already know the end of the story. He goes to the palace, whoop-dee-doo-dah. Let's, let's stop there and see, what does that really look like? What does that really mean? The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord is with you. So the Lord is with Joseph. The same God that was with Joseph, he hasn't changed since he's become with us. The same God, the great I am, is with us. The God that was the main character in Joseph's story is the same God that's the main character in your story and my story. The Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord is with you. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he can do for Joseph... As he is with Joseph, he can do for you and in you and through you. And I just, I love the way the verse starts. His master saw 
that the Lord was with Joseph. His master saw that the Lord was with Joseph. What is that saying? Can we be a people that when our coworkers, when our boss, when our friends, when our schoolmates, when our, they can see that the Lord is with us? Amen? Let's keep reading. Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. He made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. He didn't have any concern except the food that he ate. I wish that the only concern that I had was the food that I ate. Um, you know, I, I looked up, you know, for us, I don't know if that's like roast lamb or uh, buttered chicken or whatever it might be. I looked up some ancient cuisine in Egypt, and they could, cha- they could choose from maybe a tasty pigeon um, or a roast oxen. And I, it, apparently they like their bread and beer as well. So, I mean, I, other than the pigeon, I could almost do it. But the only thing that he had to worry about was the food that he ate. And here's something really important I'd like to set up for you. The call on Joseph's life was in full effect despite his circumstance. The call on Joseph's life was in full effect despite his circumstance. I think how many of us would have discounted, discounted the things that God spoke to us when we saw ourselves sitting as a slave? You know, you're up on the slave block and somebody's going to buy you. I would have counted myself out at that point for the dreams that God had given me. It's so easy for us to di- get discouraged. And we talked a little bit about last week the expectations that we have. Because expectations are everything in regards to when we're walking into that season. If you think that what your season is supposed to look like this and it doesn't, How quickly do we get discouraged? Because this doesn't look like what we thought it was supposed to look like. I don't think it looked like what Joseph thought it was supposed to look like. You get married and the world is your oyster and then life happens. You get that brand new job that you've been wanting and then all of a sudden you get put in the position that's like the worst position that you ever, you you didn't want to go to that position. You buy that brand new house that you've been longing for. It's just that, that house. And then like two weeks later, neighbors move in and their favorite pastime is to play the trumpet at three in the morning. You know, expectations have a lot to do with what we think something's going to look like. God prepares us for tomorrow. And we're going to go further than that. But I just want to make sure that we catch how much God prepared Joseph in the house of Potiphar. Now, Potiphar... He only worried about the food that he ate. So Joseph was running a house in the royal, the royal house of Egypt, in the, in, the, in the upper echelon. He got to meet the people. He got to meet, he, he maybe even met Pharaoh in that capacity because he was running every single thing. If you're only worried about the food you eat, you're probably not doing those meetings with Pharaoh, you know, on Thursday at 12, right? Joseph was handling every single thing that was in Potiphar's house. He was literally already in the royal house of Pharaoh, if you will, because he was doing everything there. He was already walking in the promises of what God had for him to some degree. But here's the thing that I really really want to see if, if we can just stress the point. That not only is God preparing you, because I think if you read the story of Joseph, you like, you look at, look at how God's preparing him. Man, he's equipping him so much for the next season, which I agree, God does do that. 
But here's the thing that I, w- I really want to encourage. That Joseph wasn't just preparing, but he was walking out the call of God on his life then and there in the face of being a slave. I think a lot of us might think that God equips us and trains us on the practice field. But I want to submit to you that I believe God equips and trains us on the playing field. And why that's important is because if you think you're just on the practice field of life or of spiritual things, you treat it really differently than if it's the real deal. If you're learning to drive a car and you're in a little simulator, you're, there's going to be, you don't, you don't mind how many pedestrians you hit as you're going through there, right? Because it doesn't have any bearing. But if you're learning to drive and you're behind the wheel of an actual car and you hit pedestrians, you're going to jail, It's a very, very different ramifications to what that looks like and what that is. We all know that Joseph makes his way to the palace, right? That he he has his palace season, if you will. And I think that many of us might be waiting for our palace experiences. You know, God has called you to something. You know what you think that looks like. But maybe God is using you right here, right now, more than you're even aware. Maybe tomorrow arrived today. I think there was probably a lot of things that were on Joseph's life, but I think the three major things that he had on his life were called a leadership, the prophetic in the dreams, and the administration of resources. And he didn't start walking in that mantle when he got to the palace season. He was used in the midst of slavery. His position and his circumstances didn't stop him from being used powerfully by God. Can I tell you that your tomorrow has arrived today? Can I tell you that your tomorrow has arrived today? That no matter what your situation looks like, no matter where you are, no matter if it looks like what you thought it should look like or it doesn't look anything like what it should look like, God can use you, your God-given talents, your God-given purpose that you were uniquely created for right here and right now. Joseph navigated the challenges and those obstacles We've talked about it, despite those things that came his way. But he didn't lose a sense of who he was. He didn't lose a sense of what God had called him to and what God had birthed him to be and to do. His his God-given calling for resource management, for leadership, for the prophetic, didn't go dormant because he just sat down. He continued walking in the mantle of that. I heard over the weekend at the conference, somebody talked about Joseph just briefly. But he said, why do you think Joseph was chosen by Potiphar? Because of the way that he walked, because of the way that he talked, and because of the way that he held himself. How many of us would have held ourselves down like this if you're sold into slavery? I mean, this is not a pleasant thing. I just think because it was normal in the time for there to be slaves back then, I still don't think they thought this is a great day. How many of us can embrace that? That even in the midst of his circumstance, he was still walking tall. He was still walking with the authority that God had birthed in him, regardless of his circumstance, regardless of what the external things had called him to do. Amen? So since he didn't lose sight of who God called him to be, he also didn't lose sight of the God-given calling for leadership and resource management, and he was put in charge of everything. So we'll keep reading. 
Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house and he has put everything he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? We have another wonderful giant in the land. We have another wonderful obstacle. Now notice, when does this obstacle come? When Joseph is starting to walk out the dreams and the calling that God had on his life, what's there ready to meet him again? You've got a big giant in the land, and, and this is a pretty big giant. So let's keep reading. As she spoke to Joseph day after day, is there giants in your, in your world that are day after day that you see every day? There were in Joseph's life. He would not listen to her. That's a, that's, a, that's a good word all by itself. Don't listen to the giants. He would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men that were in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. Now, I don't want to get distracted by this because I think it's a whole other topic to some degree. But I just want to stop and give us permission, if I can, to run like Joseph. And what, I, what do I mean when I say run like Joseph? I mean take strong action in the face of something that isn't right. I think political correctness has gotten us in way too much trouble than it needs to be. Take strong action when something isn't right. And this doesn't have to be infidelity. This can be gossip. Somebody's gossiping to you about something. Take strong action against that. And it might just be a word of, hey, man, don't, don't say that to me. If you stay quiet in the face of things that are not right, you're now then privy to them to some degree. Take strong action in the face of whatever is coming towards you. If you're watching something on TV that you shouldn't be and you're with people that don't care and you don't want to look silly in front of them, take strong action. Don't be in a place that you're going to be compromised because you're unwilling to take strong action in the face of what that is. Amen? I think about this. Had Joseph given in to Potiphar's wife, what would, have his, what would have his tomorrow looked like? I think about that. I don't know what it would have. God's pretty powerful. He can do what he wants. We all mess up at times. He still uses us by his grace. But what would Joseph's tomorrow have looked like had he done that? Possibly maybe death if Potiphar came in and, you know, or whatever the case might be. Just leave that thought with you. Let's keep, I'm going to paraphrase the next couple of verses. Potiphar's wife then yells out to the servants to say, Joseph meant her harm. She, she then told the same to Potiphar when he came home with Joseph's coat in her hand as proof of his intentions. And Potiphar understandably gets very angry and throws Joseph in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. Do you think Joseph might have thought that he found his way to Groundhog Day somehow? The same things kept happening to him. And not the same things in, in, you know, physically the same. But there was these insurmountable obstacles that continued to come his way, regardless if he was doing the right thing or not. It could be said that he probably wasn't sharing his dreams the most wisely the first time that it threw him in the pit. But this time, what does he do? He does the righteous thing. He refrains from the temptation. And what happens? He still gets thrown into the midst of prison. I can imagine him praying, 
hoping for, wishing, crying out to God, tomorrow, when are the dreams that you gave me going to happen? Can tomorrow please come today? Reading from verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and grace and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. If this doesn't encourage you, I don't know what will. It didn't matter what came across Joseph's path. And these are significant things. Don't, don't get, you know, this is, we've already, we've heard the story so much, or, you know, you grew up hearing it. He was in slavery. He was in prison. And the call of God was still in full effect on his life in the midst of those situations. I don't know too many prison guards that let a prisoner be in charge of the prison that doesn't pay attention to anything that they're doing. But what was Joseph called to? Leadership, resource management, and the prophetic. And we see the prophetic in the next, in, in verse 40, when he starts, to prophesy, he starts to interpret the dreams of those folks. Rejection, jealousy, hatred, slavery, manipulation, prison, and yet... And yet the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Right now, are you experiencing the things that you thought you would be? Or is there a sense that hopefully it's going to come tomorrow? And I alluded to, to, I like this metaphor, but if we could just change our perspective if we could put on, you know, I, I just, I don't know, it doesn't describe it well, but you put on your Lord-shaped glasses. You put on his glasses, you know, open the eyes of my heart to see through his perspective. Joseph's God-given dreams were being made reality in that prison. What, were, what was his dream? His dream was that he was going to, you know, be in charge of his brothers, if it were, but his brothers just represent, it just represents what? That he was going to be a leader, that he was going to re- manage resources. And what was he doing in that prison? He was being a leader and he was managing resources and he even interpreted dreams eventually. God's, the call that was on, God, was, was on Joseph's life was in full effect in the midst of prison. How many of you, if you, were, if you went to prison, you'd probably think that your God-given calling was at least put on hold to some degree or that you were in, a, you were in like a holding cell. To, well, I mean, that's literally. But you're in a holding cell, and you, you're, a lot of prisoners will go in, and they'll have a complete change of heart, and they'll just find God there. It's, it, there's powerful stuff that happens in prison. But, I mean, what, what a powerful word even for prisoners that their God-given calling can still be in full effect in the midst of prison. And what does that say to you? Our prison might not have real bars, but it could be all sorts of things. Your circumstance might not look exactly like what you wish it would look like, but God can still use you mightily, powerfully, and to the fullest effect of what he purposed in your heart to do right now. Amen? And I just can't help but think that if Joseph had succumbed to his circumstances, would he have ever stepped into tomorrow? I don't know if he would have. Don't wait for tomorrow. Meet tomorrow today. 
the things that he's called for you to do and to be, step into them boldly today. The dreams that he's placed on your heart, your very purpose is waiting for you. Put on those Lord glasses. Ask him to reveal to you, how can I walk fully in that today, Jesus? I just want to share with you a story, and then I'll, I'll finish it earlier than I was going to, just because I'm conscious of time, but I, I just want to share with you a story before I do close. So in my, my own life, I had, I had some really long seasons of, of wishing tomorrow would come. I mean, through my teenage years and different things, there's was, there was just some harder years, and, um, and, but even into in my adult life in the last 10 years, there were seasons of of wanting and wishing for tomorrow to come. And one of the biggest desires on my heart was to be used fully in ministry. I just, I wanted to be in ministry, not necessarily preaching, but just ministry and whatever that looked like. And, and, and I was doing all sorts of different things, but I still had the wishing for tomorrow because my expectations had a certain thing of what I thought that looked like. And when those expectations, when the reality of my expectations didn't look like I thought it was supposed to look like, there was this disconnect for me, and, and there was a discouragement that followed that. But as I look back at the seasons now, not only in every single season, even the ones that I was like, man, God, that was a waste of time. That was a waste of pain for me. Every single season, I am amazed at how much God was preparing me for tomorrow. But remember, it doesn't stop at preparing, and I just want to share this email with you. Um. I got this email a couple weeks ago, um, and I shared it with a couple of people in the office just because I was so encouraged. But the job that I had before coming uh, here to New Zealand, I was, I was an associate pastor in, in a small church, and, um, and then I was working at an insurance company through the day. How many of you know that insurance is exciting? It is like, ins- insurance companies are the heartbeat of God. I mean, that is where God is moving. Amen? It's in Proverbs twenty three sixteen. <laughs> insurance wasn't exactly where I wanted to be, right? No, it was a great job. It, it paid the bills for my family. It was a blessing. It, it, it paid the bills better than I could have hoped. We, we had an offering on a house. We were so excited, and we had, um, I think at the time, we might have had one, one kid at the time, um, and, and my job would have provided them going to the nicest private Christian schools and things. And so, like, in the natural, there were some good things, but there was something in here that was still, like, wishing for tomorrow, Saying, God, there's, there's more. There's something else. And I'm not saying it's a position or anything like that. But there was something there. I really felt like I wasn't making the difference that I really wanted to make. And, uh, you know, it, that's kind of where I was. But this email comes from, and I just want a very brief backstory of her. Um, she's a former coworker of mine. And um, she had tragically lost a child not too long before I had met her. Um, and so we'd, we'd sh- I'd shared a little bit about faith with her. I just, I'd connected with her a little bit. She'd shared a little bit of her journey, and I just, you know, I'd sent some empathy her way, but um, I, I'd spent quite some time with her um, through the course of work, and, and she says this in her email. I recently had the realization that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. So I sought out an answer through prayer and got one. I've decided that I'm ready to face my little one's death. And help those who might need a little help dealing with similar situations. It's amazing the power of prayer can have. To be honest, Jesse, your situation in your family had somewhat of an influence on my life this last year. 
We tend to sometimes lose our way through jobs and financial situations that we tend to forget what's important. You quit a good job and moved your family to follow your faith in hopes of making a difference in this sometimes lost world we live in. That's powerful and unheard of. We need more people like you and your wife. I can only pray that the journey that lies ahead of my family and I is fulfilling. But more importantly, I want to look back 30 years from now and be proud of what I did. I hope to be in a situation with those possibilities soon. If anything, I want to at least know I tried. I was so challenged by that. That one of the things that burns on my heart is to see people walking in the fullness and the power of who God is and walking out to the fullest, the calling that he uniquely purposed for each and every one of us to the nth degree. That's what I want to see. And look, an insurance company, the heart of God, not necessarily, there's somebody that's talking to me. I want to start walking in the fullness of what God has called me to do. And when I was talking to her, she was rocky with faith to some degree. Powerful. It challenged me so much, and I hope it encourages you today. The tomorrow I had been wishing for was actually happening today. And so I'm just, I'm going to skip to the very end of this. Um, and I don't know if, if I'll probably just invite Bruce up to come and wrap up just here in a second. But can we take up courage? Can we start living as if tomorrow has arrived today, regardless of your situation, regardless of how painful it is, regardless of what's going on in your life. God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. The Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord is with you. Can I just leave you with a quote from Benjamin Franklin this morning? He says, one today is worth two tomorrows. Bless you so much. Bless you. Bruce, come on up. God is speaking to us, isn't he? The last two weeks he is speaking to us. And he's laying out a challenge for us about living our tomorrows today. It's really clear he is speaking to us. What do you need to do to change from where you are today, from today to bringing tomorrow into today? And Jesse, you said right at the end about the courage thing, and that's what I have been thinking of during the course of when you've been speaking. Lord, please give this people the courage to make the adjustments they need to to start living tomorrow today and to deal to whatever the giants are. And just in that I actually encourage you, if you know you've got a giant, you know, for some people it's a sin that's paralyzing them or neutralizing them or, or killing them or a situation. I want to encourage you, if you haven't got a buddy that you walk with, a friend, a friend that you share with, come to one of the elders or one of the senior leaders to the home group leaders, but don't let it pass. God is speaking. We need to act on it. He's calling us to wonderful plan, and he's calling us to obedience to him as well. So... Thank you, Jesse. These last two weeks, God is speaking to us, and we need to make the adjustments. So I just ask you to have the, the courage to think about it, work through it, and speak on whatever the level of the giant is that's working in your life. Father, give us the courage. Give us, Lord, the, the courage to be honest with ourselves and honest with you, because, Lord, 
There is nothing in our lives that you do not see. You see our blind spots, you see our weaknesses, you see our gutlessness and all those things. But Lord, you stand ready to help and to grow us and to make us whole and stronger. Holy Spirit, I just pray you blow through us now in a powerful way, not only from the words of the sermon, Lord, but in our daily lives from here on in. Grow us, Lord, um, into the wonderful plans. We will live to love you. We will live to give you praise. And Lord, we will do that even as we walk through and conquer the giants that are around us. Come among us, Lord, I pray. And just, Lord, I look forward to hearing testimonies of people that have said, yes, I was living for today. My tomorrow has come in today as well. Lord, bless us as we go. Bless us with the soup. Bless us with the sausage sizzle. Bless, Lord, just the fellowship and getting together we have from here. And, um, yeah, go in Jesus' name. Bless you all.